we are going to um, dive back into our series uh, on the generous life, the Sermon on the Mount, and we're going to pick up this third section of this um, chapter 6, the beginning of chapter 6, which is um, sometimes referred to as the, uh, the piety section, the, the section of pious discipline. It, began, it begins, chapter 1 begins with uh, the, the charge to give to the needy, and not just when you give, but how, what the behavior should look like around that. And Mike Gu did yeoman's work with that a couple weeks ago, and I'm grateful for that. Um, last week, um, Holly dove in uh, to the prayer, uh, the prayer, uh, the Lord's Prayer. Um, again, when you pray, it, from a behavior perspective, do this, and the prohibition is don't be like this. Um, and, and, and Holly pointed out rightly that um, if you do an outline of the, uh, of the, the Sermon on the Mount, um, um, in literary terms, sometimes it's called a chiastic structure in which you um, create a, a sense of parallel outlines to get to the center. And the center of the Sermon on the Mount um, is the Lord's Prayer, which is beautiful. But it's flagged or flanked, I should say, between um, giving to the needy and this week, which is about fasting. So um, what I'd like to do is I'd just like to read it, uh, and then I want to point some things out about the text, and then I want to make some comments about uh, the notion of fasting. And then in response to fasting, we're going to take like a 15-minute break in our service and eat bagels. That makes perfect sense today, doesn't it? Um, it does make perfect sense in the sense of this. And when we read it, hopefully this will, will, will catch on to this. Um, Jesus is indicating the value of the spiritual discipline called fasting. But notice when he says, but when you do it, you do it in private. You do it quiet. You do it in secret before you and the Lord, not before the world. So it would be interesting for us to read this discipline of of fasting with prohibitions on how not to do it in front of a crowd for, for and we'll get into that. Um, so that would be one. The second one is this, is that the only way that you could really practice fasting is if all of you came in here prepared for it, meaning none of you, let's say we said we're going to fast for breakfast, um, so don't eat, come in, and then we'll practice our fast together. But since that didn't work, and we, there's no way to make that happen, we can't really practice it. But it doesn't mean that it's not good. And it doesn't mean that um, the, the, the heart, if we understand the heart of fasting, which is um, that God is the God of abundance who provides abundance, it's okay for us when we get together to celebrate the delight of God's provision. There's nothing wrong with that. Fasting is an opportunity, though, uh, to walk into this pathway, to lead through this discipline of really celebrating the provisions of God and the abundance of God. So um, uh, it's not, the irony isn't lost on me, but um, I feel really good theologically that it's okay to talk about fasting and then eat food. So we're going to be good. So let's read it. Let's see what it says. Uh, it says this, Matthew 6, verse 16 is the word of the Lord. So when you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. But truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now let's just leave this passage up for a minute. Verse 16 says this. 
It says, when you fast. Now, this is this assumption. Jesus is saying um, there are ancient spiritual disciplines and practices that predate Jesus and should continue afterwards. Prayer and fasting are all often tied together. This idea of going before the Lord um, in conversation and words spoken and words received, but also tied together with this notion of fasting. Fasting defined um, specifically is abstaining from something for a spiritual end. Fasting is simply abstaining from something for a spiritual end. Often and primarily, uh, it has been done through the practice of abstaining from food. And so when Jesus is saying, so when you fast, and we can look at Jesus' life, he prayed and fasted for 40 days before um, he began his ministry. There are other times that we see that Jesus is praying and fasting. This is a practice that he's assuming that his followers are participating in. So when you fast... When you fast. So there's an assumption there. And the assumption is, is that this discipline ought to be embraced. It ought not to be, we ought not to be afraid of it, but we ought to embrace it. We'll get into some of the why in a minute. But he says this, uh, don't look somber as the hypocrites. And Mike and Holly pointed out the, uh, the, this word for uh, hypocrite in the, in, in the New Testament Greek, Hypocrites is um, often refers to actors that would show up on stage and they would um, they would um, change their face type, be it with masks or with makeup or with ash or some color to show you the different characters. It's like a one person play, maybe playing two or three or four different characters. And so the idea is is that the actor, the hypocrites, would would do, uh, would effort themselves to show you these different faces of, 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 the, of, of the play that was being performed. And so Jesus uses this word appropriately to say, but don't look somber as the hypocrites do. And when he says hypocrites, there's this general sort of tone about who the hypocrites are. Jesus is just starting his ministry. He has not specifically called the hypocrites out, but he's going to at the end of his ministry. He's going to at the end of his ministry. He's talking here about for um, those who are fasting, they disfigure their face to show others they're fasting. And what was happening is that in Jesus' day, religious leaders, the Pharisees in particular, um, in a sign of um, the the desire for public acknowledgement, they would ash in their face to make it look um, weak and um, uh, disfigured and... uh, to make them look like they, they were suffering. And they wanted everybody to see this. And these, the Pharisees would, would cover themselves and they would show up to temple for prayers and they wanted everybody to go, oh, look at Pharisee Joe. Because that's what they called them back then. <laughs> look how spiritual he is. Wow, what a great spiritual leader. And Jesus is saying, no, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. They have received the reward in full is simply the statement that says the pat on the back is all they're going to get. The pat on the back is all that they're going to get. But he says... Thank you.
Thanks, Dave. Um, we'll try this now. Um, he says, do not do. Now, what's interesting um, that in the three passages on piety, on giving to the needy in prayer and fasting, Jesus assumes, he says, when you pray, when you give to the needy, when you fast, he says these things like five or six times. But when he says, do not do, do not look, that's called a prohibition. And in this passage from chapter um, 6, verses 1 through 18, there are seven prohibitions. Seven prohibitions. Now, which one of you Bible scholars can tell me the meaning of seven in, um, in antiquity? What does seven represent? The completion of a cycle, right? So Jesus is going to say this seven times in this passage, a passage that he wants people to memorize. Interestingly enough, when you go to Matthew tw uh, chapter 23, where Jesus starts calling out the hypocrites, Pharisees, there are seven prohibitions. I think there's a Bible study in here somewhere about what happens with these seven prohibitions and the ones in Matthew 23. But look what Jesus says at the end about hypocrites and about what happens when you do things for public honor, but you don't do it for any serious growth or spiritual discipline of the heart and soul. He says, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees. This is the sixth of seven prohibitions. You Pharisees are the hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, inside are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. He says, woe to you, those that wash the outside of the tomb to make it look really pretty and pull the weeds and, and decorate it with flowers. So when people walk by, I go, oh, look at, look at, look at the, uh, look at the grandeur of, of this piece. Look at the, the love devoted to this thing. But he says, but you do realize what's underneath. You do realize. So when you are hypocritical about being more spiritual than you really are, what are you? You are full of hypocrisy and wickedness because you're trying to tell a story that's not accurate and not true. You're pretending. And Jesus is calling this out and saying, no, this is not the generous life. This is not the generous life. It's not the generous life. Go back to uh, Matthew chapter 6 if you can. But he says, but your reward is in full, those that do this, because that's the pat on the back. But he says, but when you fast, put on oil. So that's a symbol of anointing. Put oil upon your head. Wash your face. Get rid of anything that could even be perceived um, that you're trying to pretend. Or if you're really fasting and you're really suffering, like clean yourself up before you go out into public. Why do we do this? So it's not obvious to others that you're actually doing this. You see, your act of devotion and piety is not about public approval. It is a private act. It is between you and the Lord. It is your time with you and the Lord. And when you are in that private, in that secret place, and the world doesn't see you, your Father who is in secret sees you. And he sees what you do in secret, and he rewards you fairly. And so Jesus, I think, is just calling out, saying, let's be devoted. Let's be disciplined in our, in our following of Jesus. But let's do it in a way that's really honorable to Christ and not, for the appro not, and not like seeking out human approval. I think there's something there for us. 
Fasting is not something that often we talk about here at Warehouse, but perhaps it's something that we should be talking about more and practicing more. I think that there are benefits to fasting. Here we go. There's, I think I wrote three or four things I think are beneficial. One, it's kinesthetic. We don't have a lot of things in our church practice that requires our whole body. We do things of our mind, and we do things with our ears. We speak things, we think things, we reason things. But very few things that we do are really elemental and kinesthetic. It's why I love the Lord's Supper so much. Once I started realizing that the bread and the cup were elements to really um, intersect with my body, with my, with my sense of touch and smell and taste, it changed everything. It became a kinesthetic exercise. But we don't do much. But fasting is bodily to give up a meal and to use that time when that stomach pangs and that ache shows up. Your body is telling you something, and it's an opportunity for then for you to be in tune with what God is speaking to you in that space and in that moment. So I think part of the benefit is that sometimes we can reduce our faith to practices of the mind, sometimes practices of the heart, practices of the ears, practices um, of, of the spoken word. Uh, but the benefits of fasting are so holistically body, mind, and soul all together. And I think sometimes we've, we've um, um, oh, Anne, you're here. What's it called when you, like, she's an occupational therapist. When you, uh, uh, when, when you like, you, you, you a, 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 a sedentary, you sit too long and don't move. What is it? A sedentary. I'm so good. I've learned something along the way. Like, spiritually, we can be a Y'all got it. And so uh, this is just gets us moving a little bit. And so one, just in a simple way, there's a value to it. The second thing I think that fasting does, it is, it is a devoted act of surrender. You see, when we, when we abstain from something, what we're saying is, um, we're, I'm going to, and it's not just fast, but it's fast and then take the space to meet with the Lord. It's easy to like, I'm going to fast for breakfast and then go to work and then be really, really busy for four hours before lunch. No, if you're going to find a day to skip a meal, maybe it's a, a meal maybe you skip on Saturday when you're home and you're less distracted. Because you want to be able to take that time in the midst of that pang to say, okay, um, um, Food is a necessity of mine. I need food to be sustained. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give up this meal. I'm going to feel the ache in my body. I'm going to feel my body telling me what my need is. And then I'm going to go back to the Lord and say, but ultimately, Lord, you are the provider and the sustainer of all that I need. And then I can set aside distractions when I'm really hungry and longing for food or something to give me nu nutrition to go before the Lord and, and, and to fall before him and say, I'm going to clear out some of these distractions and I'm, I'm going to sit focused on this. I'm going to allow you in this space to lead me and to teach me. St. Anselm in the 11th century notably said that um, um, Christian life, the Christian life is simply faith that seeks understanding. Faith-seeking understanding. And there's a cost in that. There's a cost in the seeking. There's a cost in the journey. And there's a cost in fasting. You're hungry. You're longing for nutrition. But you use that time by faith to trust that God is the ultimate provider. God is the ultimate sustainer. That God is the ultimate giver of good things for us. Uh, 
one of my first teachers, Louis Giglio, said, uh, often says that um, um, his prayer before the Lord is, you are the great I am, and I am the great I am not. There's something really valuable in that uh, of surrender to go before the Lord and to say, um, in this moment of need, you, you are actually the only one that I need. I, 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 I hunger, my body hungers, but you, in you, I hunger and thirst for righteousness. In our surrender, it's an opportunity to say to God, I, I need you 100% in all of this. Um, before we got started, we were in the um, prayer room with our team before we got started, and um, Aaron Kewen, St. Aaron of Kewen, made this extraordinary comment about the necessity about fast and abundance. And, and Aaron, do you remember your quote? I don't want to misquote you, but do you remember the profound beauty of that statement? Okay. Thank you. Say it, and then I'll repeat it in the microphone. That's right. It's not just giving up something. It's the addition of something else. And the addition is the abundance of God. And you're not really going to um, wholly taste the abundance unless there's a need and a hunger for it. And so fasting is this pathway towards um, feasting on the abundance. Um, and there's great truth in that. So if the first one's kinesthetic, the second one's surrender. The third one is this act of self-denial. And I think that in our world in 2022, a little bit of self-denial probably could go a long way. Fasting lays down one appetite for another. And we say that fasting begins uh, primarily with food, and it does, but fasting can be substituting anything for anything. You, could, you can fast from social media. When we were in Iceland, every meal that we went to, every table around us, everybody was on their phone, no matter what the crowd was, whether it was a family or a date or something, Ann and I were just staring and stalking people and trying to figure out who they were and what their world was about. But there was so much phone. And we understand the role that social media and our phones play in our life of what happens to us uh, um, uh, because of our time on that phone. But what would it be if I substituted that appetite for something else? The act of self-denial is really, really important um, because it is subtracting. I take something away to add something else. And in doing that, I give up one food to taste another. I give up one thing to experience another. John 3.30 says, we must decrease so he can increase. This is the act of self-denial. I will choose to set up time to abstain from this in order to do this. I will willfully substitute the simple need or pleasure in my life and, and, and then make it about something else in that moment. And I think that's really, really important. And I think the discipline of self-denial in our context is so, so important. And so when I'm in that act of self-denial and, and I'm off my phone and, I, and I'm feeling the need to check something or do something, no, that's when I pull away and say, okay, what I'm longing for is to, is to get information. I'm longing for it to get some data. I'm longing for it to get some response. So I could shut my phone off and I could pick up my Bible. I could. 
because I'm going to get the same things or, or I'm going to get similar things out of that. They're different in the nutrition that they offer. But this is, I, I can feast on the words of people responding to my last tweet, or I can open up scripture and read the Psalms and feel um, the depth of my faith. So I, 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 I think it's valuable. But the last thing that I want to say, and then we're going to move on. So this is the last thing I'm going to say. Um, is that the value of this is that what, what Jesus said at the end. So when you do this, that when people see you, they won't know that you're doing it. Somehow, our private devotion, our private faith is not to be done in a vacuum. It's always supposed to intersect with other people. Our private disciplines ought to intersect and interact with our neighbors and family and friends and coworkers, etc. So when I'm fasting, when I'm separating, and I'm and I'm and I'm in, in an act of surrender and self-denial, and I'm in this kinesthetic act where I'm separating one thing to take another thing in, I'm doing so so that I can be filled with who Jesus is, and so that I can enter and engage God's world, and I can live generously. This whole sermon series is about living a generous life. We let the Lord fill our tank in order for us then to live in the world. And when we do that, and if it's about giving and praying and fasting and seeking, um, understanding and um, efforting after the Lord and making sacrifices of self-denial and surrender, we do all these things and we get filled up with the Lord and then I walk out my doors and I'm, my head's been anointed and my face is washed and I walk into my neighbor and my neighbor says, blah, 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 uh, this is what's happening, this is where the, the world that I'm in. I am in this place where I feel so in tune with the Lord that I am ready and able and willfully giving away all that God has given me in that moment. It's for you, and it's for everybody else. It's not just for you, but it's for you and everybody else. You take in the Lord, and then you walk out the doors, and you live it out generously. So when your neighbor comes over and says, I have a need, you're not going to be like, oh, gosh, look who's coming to the front door. No, it's, I am so full of Christ. And when that knock on the door, you go outside to the curb or whatever you got to do, all of a sudden you are living this life that's generously, freely giving it away. And I think that's pretty amazing. I think it's pretty amazing. I love this quote. We'll cl- we'll cl- uh, we'll, I'm going to close with this. Um, I, read, um, I, I read some stuff from this. Um, she's a, um, um, uh, she's a, a Catholic a spiritual director in the Order of St. Benedict, um, Macrina Weidecker. She says, fasting is cleansing. It cleanses out our bodies. It lays bare our souls. It leads us in the arms of the one for whom we hunger. In the divine arms, we come less demanding and more like the one who holds us. Then we experience a new hunger or new hungers. We hunger for justice and for goodness and for holiness. We hunger for what is right. We hunger to be saints. We remember that each of us is called to be the bread for the world. That is an extraordinary line. We remember that each of us is called to be bread for our world. Jesus is, remember his statement to us, you, you can't live by bread alone, but by every word. And then we take it in and then we give it away. And that's the bread that we give away. Our lives are meant to nourish. Fasting can lead us to the core of our being and make us more nourishing for others. You see, This is the generous life. Christ comes to us generously and fills us. We delight in the abundance of our maker and our savior and our friend. And then we go out into the world and we engage his world and we let it flow. We let it flow.
and we become bread and nourishment for others. This is a habit of the generous life. This is a habit of the generous life. Let's pray. Lord, we want to be a generous people. We want to seek you and know you and to make you known. And um, we can get pretty burned out if, it's, um, if we're not filling the tank that only you can fill. And we will burn out. We want to know you and then have our beings transformed in order to effort in your kingdom. But if we need to be transformed in order for us to be nourishment for others. So I pray that we would be challenged and that we would consider what a fast could look like. Perhaps it's just one meal a week for a month. Perhaps we, we, we give up breakfast on Saturday mornings and use that time in our morning, in our routine of, of chores or, or conversation or connection. Uh, and, and, instead of, um, and, being, and instead of overtly being busy, that we would just make space um, for abundance. Perhaps it's a meal a week. Perhaps it's more than that. Perhaps it's social media. Perhaps it's no audio in our car rides to and from work for a week, but instead we choose to exist in that pseudo-silence. Perhaps that we turn off our notifications on our phone for a week and just discover what happens when there's a longing to experience that to turn and have an experience with you. What if there's no media after dinner, but instead we use that time for prayer and for reading and for conversation? I wonder what the simplicity of this could look like. And as we who practice our faith to seek understanding, Holy Spirit, would you be kind to us and lead us and teach us? And may we become generous because of the generosity of Jesus, and may our generosity flow to our neighbors. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.